You're listening to the best of the TomBernardShow.com, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> well, I'd like to know if I was married to a horror piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My. Special stripe. That was amazing. Oh, my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. <laughs> it's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. This is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are, and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice, and they go from there and then call us back later. But the key is is that they don't know all their rights or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding uh, so they can help themselves and their families as best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to yet another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had comedian Ryan Singer on the phone, but funny nonetheless, next on the Best of... This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back with you guys on Monday sitting in. I'm Dave Schrader from Beyond the Darkness, the best in paranormal talk radio. You can check me out this weekend on Saturday and Sunday on darknessradio.com. Joining us this hour, uh, we've got Ryan Singer. He is the creator and host of one of the top science and medicine podcasts on iTunes, Me and Paranormal You. It's a twice-weekly mind cast in which he has in-depth interviews with people who possess paranormal abilities or have you know, had kind of like extraordinary experiences. He was also selected by LA Weekly as one of the top 10 LA comics to watch and uh, was mentioned in New York Magazine as a comic to watch and uh, was also one of the four finalists in the original CMT's Next Big Comic Contest. He's here with us this evening uh, slumming a little bit. Thanks a lot for coming in, Ryan. <laughs> hey, uh, Pleasure pleasure to be here thanks for having me yeah it's great to uh, great to visit with you i thought we'd bring you over and, and spend a little time chit-chatting over on uh, the tom bernard show you've got a brand new album out by the way and i love that you're doing this you, you've made it available uh free to the public how, how do people find this and where can they get more information uh it's the album's called free love and it's over on my website ryansingercomedy.com it's a free download you can either do dropbox or like a google drive download from there uh so yeah i just wanted i figured it's my fourth album I wanted everybody who wanted it to be able to have it, and I didn't want money to get in the way. So uh, anybody who wants that album, you know, as per the title, uh, it's free love from me to you. So, uh, yeah, hopefully everybody will go over there and download it and and enjoy it as well. We'll put up links on the show and on the social media pages as well so people can find the free download and and check out the show. Uh, Have you always been based out out of L.A.? Um, actually, I started in the Midwest. I started uh, my comedy career in Dayton, Ohio, uh, you know, the birthplace of uh, aviation. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, I used to be like, uh, oh, it's the birthplace of aviation and Ryan Singer. Like, I mean, I was a little <laughs> bit of an egomaniac as a kid. <laughs> like, those two things likely will never be on the same level. Uh, you know, like, one thing changed the world as we know it. And now I'm just kind of like traveling around the country telling jokes about my private parts uh, in, you know, in space. But, um, 
but yeah, I started out in Dayton and, uh, you know, kind of branched out from there for a while. And then about seven, a little over seven years ago, moved out to the West Coast as per needed for, uh, you know, a career in stand-up comedy. Was that a pretty big culture shock? I mean, to go from uh, the bustling uh, metropolis that is Dayton to uh, Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely was. Um, luckily, I had done it about five times before, uh, just because when I was younger, I was much more of a kind of a maniac character. And so I would move out to L.A. for like three months, and I would just have like a really good time. But, I, but under the like the auspice of like oh I'm out here for my career you know but then I would just pretty much party and then I'd run out of money and I'd move back to Ohio re-enroll in college get some government loans uh, and then drop out of college take that extra money from the government loan go party for a few months and then you know I just kind of did that back and forth <laughs> and then eventually I realized you know what I'm getting older maybe it's time to grow up a little bit as well and. Uh, eventually did that but like yeah it it definitely is i mean in dayton ohio it wasn't until i first left dayton ohio that i realized that primer was not a color of car like (laughs) that you would get at the uh (laughs) like at the dealership i thought primer was like one of the coats uh selections you would get but uh yeah so it definitely was uh a, a bit of a culture shock uh and also, everybody didn't look like me, which is, uh, you know, great as well. Like, that's the best thing about L.A. for me is there's, you know, every every type of person you've ever even heard of or could imagine or we know about now because the Internet. I mean, obviously, the world is connected. But Dayton didn't really have a diversity that, that I was looking for, not to mention no snow. I mean, I know up uh, i know you guys are dealing with it but like you I, I remember when i was like eight years old i was scraping the ice off my dad's windshield and i i made a promise to myself <laughs> as soon as i was old enough to get out of there that I was is funny gone. we, and, we uh, just had uh, josh yeah. wolf in studio and literally his first story was i remember when i was a kid and i was scraping <laughs> my dad's window and i remember telling him this is the last time i'm ever scraping a window and he moved from massachusetts <laughs> to texas or something to to get away from it so it's funny that yeah. you both share that that commonality obviously that's why i'll never be good yeah. at stand-up because i don't mind scraping windows damn it so yeah. close <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess idiot minds think alike. What you know? What I, I think is yeah. cool for for a lot of the listeners. Um, the new album is is interesting in a lot of ways. First of all, it's a free comedy album, and who doesn't love that? But second of all, that you tackle some paranormal topics in this, and that's I, I don't you know from an occasional aside or comedic joke like Eddie Murphy. I think it was in Raw, right, where he talks about uh, the haunted houses and how dumb white people are that mm-hmm. they'll stay, and if a black family hears, you know, we're yeah, we're gonna tip out immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that you know, it's like a throwaway line here and there. But to actually kind of focus on on the paranormal, are you finding that's pretty good uh, bridge? People uh, get a kick out of that, especially I, I gotta guess now with the culture of alien shows, Bigfoot shows, ghost shows on every network. It's it's more prevalent now than it's probably ever been. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think comedy is the best way to Trojan horse anything into uh, into somebody's mind too, as well as far as like if you want somebody to think about something. But I mean, that's not my intent. Uh, necessarily to uh, to do stand up comedy to try to spread ideas around. I mean, I've always just wanted to make people laugh, and and you're supposed to write about what you know. And and I'm so fascinated with with everything paranormal that it just kind of my act has just kind of turned into that um, without even really trying to. But I do find that more and more people are open to it for sure nowadays. I mean, every once in a while, like this like this weekend, I'll be I'm at a club here in Chicago, and the uh, it's kind of a tourist. Uh, destination kind of comedy club uh, so it's always a really interesting challenge when I'm at a place like this to see like how far will these people go with me trying to convince them that we're all robots you know or that Bigfoot <laughs> is real or <laughs> you know that we should talk to our water and we should all have crystals in our pockets so I mean it will be an interesting challenge in places like that but I do find because of the the widespread paranormal like frenzy that's kind of happening, which I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't look at it like you know how some people are really precious about their their favorite rock band that breaks big. Like, oh, I knew them before anybody else did. Like, as far as I'm concerned, I think like the the, the bigger the better when it comes to people being interested in the paranormal, because then we can drop the para from it, and now it's just normal. Uh, which is what of a lot of us believers, if we want to call ourselves that, out in the world kind of like already think it is. 
just normal stuff that happens to almost everybody. Because it is funny, too. Like, if you, especially the haunted house thing, like most comedians, if they do have jokes about paranormal or ghosts or something, it's usually kind of taking a dig at someone who's a believer or kind of making fun of somebody who's a believer. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of coming from the, the position of the believer in, in telling jokes because, I mean, you know better than anybody that, uh, you know, paranormal people have to have a really good sense of humor about what they believe in because <laughs> so many people think we're kooks that if we didn't have a sense of humor about all this stuff, we'd, we'd go crazy. And I'm sitting in a studio with three people that do think we're kooks for our interest <laughs> in the paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you, you love the over-the-top like, aspect of these shows, though? I mean, you know, I, I watch Finding Bigfoot simply for the entertainment. I have no false assumptions that they're ever going to find Bigfoot because if I could just tell you, out of everybody on the planet looking for Bigfoot, that group just seems like the least likely <laughs> to even accidentally stumble upon Bigfoot's <laughs> lair. Uh, yeah. I, I don't yeah, know. No, that wasn't a Bigfoot. That was your uh, potato chip bag crumpling. Yeah, that's right. There is like there was uh, I, I've been looking for Bigfoot. Not very much. I've only like recently I went out and kind of did a, a night sit like or whatever they want, like squatching. Right. And it's terrifying. It is terrifying. And it is I've I've been told by somebody who used to work for like the BFRO and like mm-hmm. do expedition leads. That's that the Bigfoot Research Organization, a, for those of you not in the nerd <laughs> yeah, loop yeah. with us. Yeah, I, I guess I, I wouldn't have known <laughs> what that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I should have. I guess I, sh- I I almost forget sometimes. Uh, but like he's like, if you're close enough to see a Bigfoot, you don't want to see a Bigfoot. Uh, and and that resonated with me because I mean it's basically like jumping into the, the the you know the great ape cage, you know, or being around you know like gorillas. It's like that's not something I'm interested in. Um, I, that's you know, why I always imagine when well, I, I don't know sign when I have friends that want to go out squatching. I, I just always kind of imagine that scene from Star Wars when Han Solo starts running down the hall with the gun and then realizes he's up against like 20 stormtroopers, and then you see him turn tail running back. Because what are you going to do if you truly encounter a 9 to 12 foot tall bipedal hairy hominid in its natural surroundings? What is the goal? And every one of these guys I talk to, there doesn't seem to be an end goal. Because if you do really come upon them, none of them really want to shoot him or kill him. What's the plan? Do you just like break out a bag of Reese's pieces and start offering them? <laughs> what do you do if you actually run into one of these things? Yeah, that's the that's that's the part that nobody talks about. It's like, okay, we fa- okay, there's Bigfoot. Now what? Well, <laughs> now you you know you change your pants, right? Uh, because you're not going to be able to run in what you've got going on down there. <laughs> like, the, I don't want to see. I, I mean, I am interested in finding evidence, especially. Not to mention, like, how big and strong these things, you know, probably are. But, you know, if they have, in fact, avoided detection for all these years, for the most part, like, you know they have to be smarter than the average, like, you know, they're even smarter than gorillas. So now you're up against something in its natural habitat who might be pretty, like, almost close to being as smart as you are, you know, and, of, of course, that's a spectrum. I mean, like, you know, right. it doesn't take much for a gorilla to be as smart as me. But, like, <laughs> yeah, what do you do? Because these commercials where they're offering beef jerky and the taunting, mm-hmm. like, Sasquatch, I, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say that, like, these commercials are bad for, like, training people. Like, oh, man, that'd be so awesome to go out there and, like, throw something at a Sasquatch. It's just like, oh, baby, like, let's not get into uh, any situation where we're close enough to have a Bigfoot touch me. Like, that is, oh, oh, I mean, I'm not interested in that at all. Like, I don't know why I went squatching. <laughs> well, now but now you, that we're talking this out, I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> but you hear these stories of people who have died recently, eaten by bears and whatnot, who are trying to take selfies with a bear. And it's like, okay, uh, what don't you get about let's not... One, put yourself in that place, or two, stand there and and, and take a photo. <laughs> the people at the yeah, Stanley right. Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, the area gets inundated by these giant elk. And when I say giant elk, JB, I mean it's like something out of a cartoon. You've never seen creatures yeah. this big. And uh, we're there one night, and all of a sudden I get a call from my buddy. And I, I flip open my phone. I go, w- where are you? And he goes, I need help. And I go, "What's? did you fall down? And he goes, I'm outside. I'm stuck. I go, what do you mean you're stuck? He goes, look out the back door. He's standing on the way back up to the condo area. Mm -hmm. He's standing in the yard 
between a bull elk and a whole bunch of female elk. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's and not good. He's oh, like, no. this bull elk come up out of nowhere while he's standing there, and he's like, I don't know what to do. And I go, well, don't move. <laughs> so then I'm, I'm alerting staff at the hotel. But the next day, there are morons out there going to approach the bull elk for photographs. Mm-hmm. Staff is going, oh, get no. away. <laughs> People have no concept. They're like, oh, look how beautiful yeah, they are. Well, it's, it's the whole mentality. It's another puppy. They have yeah, exactly. Pup. They've they only ever met dogs and cats, right, yeah. so they think, oh. They have animal. a statue, like a giant cast iron <laughs> statue out front of an elk that they have to cover during rut season because oh, the male yeah. elk, elk will attack <laughs> the damn statue because it's like, <laughs> so get out of my hair. <laughs> yeah, so people are just dumb. I've watched people go out there, and there's elk sitting all around, and they'll go out there, and they'll start squatting and kneeling with them, and they'll get right in between the bull elk and the and the baby mm-hmm. elk or the, the women elk, and it's just like... They don't have a healthy respect for wildlife no no yeah and my favorite part of that story dave was when you said i flipped open my phone <laughs> yes. i'm just telling you that's how long ago that was i i had my flip phone in my pocket and was ready for it he didn't even yeah. slide his no, phone like, open he flipped it <laughs> yeah yeah the uh but you know you know those um i can't remember i was just talking it like i was having breakfast with my buddy today and i couldn't remember the name of these things it's like that berry or something that is like that zombifies insects Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Um, well, I feel like people, sometimes people like the robots are going to take over. I'm like, the robots already are taking over. Right. Like, you've got all these people who are just, they're led around by their phones out in front of their mm-hmm. face. They're like zombies to the phone. And they feed on clicks and views and, and getting content. And, and so now, like, their brain is taken over. So they don't think about, like, oh, this is a giant elk that's bigger than, like, a Ford Escalade. Um I probably shouldn't get in the way of it and what it wants to have sex with. Um, you know. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. If I can't hunt bull elk in heaven, well, I guess that I am going to hell. That was Ryan Singer on The Best Of. Coming up next, we had comedian Josh Wolf on the program talking about his show where he gets super high and does comedy next on The Best Of. There's nothing in my way when the time is right (laughs) (laughs) This this is directed at me by the way. It is. This is why. Because my dad when he got after this uh, that movie came out yeah, uh, Saturday Night Fever. When he would get ticked off, he would play this song, and it was a sign to all of us to like basically vacate the house. No, so this was your, <laughs> this was this his was angry your, song. This was your ding 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 You knew the shark was in, in yeah. prowler mode, and we were like, uh oh. <sighs> I can just picture your dad. Time to go. You can picture your dad putting on the record, <laughs> and then, then coming on, and then just looking in the mirror and just slowly starting just, to dance. Just, <laughs> tell, yeah, just tell me, JB. At some just point, he popped start. the collar. Tell yeah. me, up no, with the he, collar and, and the enough, slow moves. And this will sound really strange to people. He would go to the bathroom and pray. Mm. No, give me the strength strange. not to... Yeah, I guess. There were nine of Lord, give me the strength not to kill this boy. Oh, yeah. So, don't... And he had a bad professional life. He got passed over for... You know, he didn't have much of an education. He got passed over for... You know, raises and promotions constantly and whatnot, and he'd bring that crap home. Yeah. And he just, you know, he was in the army at fourteen. He lied about his age. In the army at fourteen? Yeah. Holy. So he. My grandpa went in sixteen, and we thought that was young. Six fourteen. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. His, you and, imagine? His, and his parents sign off because your parents have to sign yeah. off at sixteen. I was like back at that time. Oh yeah, he liked the, the mm-hmm. like the. Double imagine, lie or whatever, mm-hmm. because he was too young, but right. then he was also even too young for the too young, young. thing. <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine a 14-year-old today? No. God, no. no. Flipping his hair. Like I'd like to. I'd like to imagine it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to doing imagine the, it. Doing the so fun. much, Josh. <laughs> They'd die. They would just die, yeah. They would just die. They're not built like that. They're not. They I don't mean, know. To the point my mother, I acted up in, the, I think it was fifth or sixth grade. It was just class clown acting up, this, that, and the other. And 
they literally contacted a boys' home. Oh, yeah, just, oh, yeah. To, just to see the options. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. My parents did you that. Know, they told options. me they were going to send me to boarding school all the time. I doubt they ever would have, but as a kid. You well, they know. weren't going to because it was going to cost money. Right. Well, <laughs> oh, no. Tom Many would have reasons. done it. <laughs> given the opportunity. He was afraid once he let him out, the Bernard family secrets would come out. Do you, and, do you know, mm. my, this is the typical, this is, and I love my son. I tell so many stories about him. One of my, f- recently, mm-hmm. so we, we bought a new house, and um, he had dropped out of college. And so he came home, and uh, he was living at the house. And I said, hey, listen, man, we're moving into the new house, and uh, just so you know, you're not moving with us. And he goes, uh, oh, I don't understand. Is there, is there's not, there's not enough room at the new house? I go, no, there's plenty of room, but you're not moving. And he goes, I don't know why. I go, well, you're, you're not in college anymore, right? And he said, that's right. And I go, well, then grown men mm-hmm. who are, are in the workforce don't live at my house. That's how it is. You're grown up now. You decided not to go to college. Totally good, your life. But now you're grown up in the workforce. You don't, those people don't live in my house. You don't see my brother Adam living here, do you? And he was like, yeah, but I don't, uh, all my, he goes, all of my friends, they still live with their parents. I go, you should go live there. Right. And um, he goes, well, what am I supposed to do? I go, well, you're going to have to save some money. I'll give you three months. You save some money. He's got a job. He's always worked. And then you got to go get, out and get, get an apartment. Your own place. And he goes, I don't understand. I go, listen, man, at the end of the day, and I didn't want to say, look, I just want to start your mom in the kitchen again. Uh, but I, I, I didn't. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, time. Uh, so I said, uh, but listen, dude, I go, it'll be good for you. It'll be good for you to, for your independence and for, you know, to learn and your confidence. And he just looks at me and he goes. Agree to disagree. I was like, fine. Oh my God. Hey, wait, can we agree you're not moving in with me? Can we <laughs> wait, agree that? Yeah, I know. But they, he didn't have any. But he told me, I'm going to tell you 100%. At the, two weeks later, he called me. He said, this was the best thing you could have done for me. He was like, there's no doubt. This, I'm so happy you did this. I was scared. And the only reason I was scared is I just was didn't know Molly? how to do it. He said, but now that I'm here... He, he sent me a video of him pouring beer in Captain Crunch and eating it. Oh, God. <laughs> That's well, my was, college life. Yeah, yeah. He was like, oh, this is what I can do here. I'm I like, cool. Left, you know, t- saying you got to find that hook. You were asking what, what could I get with my daughter over on my daughter. And you brought up the fact of, you know, I really just want your mom in the kitchen yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I the other day were sitting at home and my, my daughter's being obnoxious and she's very loud. Her room is underneath ours. And I said, you need to tone it down. And she goes, why? And I said, because our room's above you, and we won't tone it down anymore. And she just hurt jaw at the floor. And the eyes open, and I go, yeah. you'll hear the spurs next time. And yeah. she's like, shut up, Dad. Shut up. I'm done. You're like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to with the door open from now on. How about that? Oh, sorry, you can't say that one either. <laughs> Pretty much all the swear words you know to be swear words, Josh, are swear words all the time. Poop. I meant poop. You're going to poop with the door open. My dad did used to, I think it was a power move. But he used to always drop a deuce with the door open. <laughs> always. Mm. And like, even when my friends that were... was a power move? Yeah, just to remind yeah, everybody whose house this is. <laughs> and I remember I was probably 13, maybe 14. And he was, call- he was calling me from his room. Uh-huh. And he was like, hey, and I was with a buddy of mine. He was like, hey, you and Gary, come in here. And we come in, and I'm like, where? And I turn, and he's taking a dump with the door open. <laughs> and it, me and Gary just staring. They're 14 years old. And I'm like, oh, no. And he's like, what are you... Boy, he's gonna do today, and I was like, "Oh my God, what are we doing? What are we doing here, man?" It's one of those things that even if you grow up with it, you know it's not quite right. No, <laughs> you know the one thing I grew up with that I didn't know was odd until my friends. So my mom and dad used to smoke these big, not like Tipperillos, thick like like yeah, 40s gangster cigars right. mm-hmm. long big and they used to just, this the, was the, before the yeah this was before Cameron Diaz was it was cool it was my mom and my dad <laughs> smoking these big ass cigars and so I didn't even think it was a big deal and I got a little older and uh, my buddy was like, "Your mom smokes cigars, dude." <laughs> and yeah, I women was, smoking cigars was like, is weird. Yeah, I was I like, don't know why, though. and and he goes he goes, that's weird. I go, it's not weird. My, she's done it her whole life. And I go, he goes, yeah, that doesn't make it not weird. <laughs> I mean, he goes, it's just there's... weird. She's done her whole life. That's all. There's no reason it is weird. It's just women you're don't not smoke used to cigars. It. You're not used for to some it. reason. It's, it's, yeah. it's not a social norm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it so. wasn't my house until I had to come home and be like, hey, you guys have to stop. Well, you don't, but you do. You <laughs> have to stop right now. I'm getting ridiculed at school. Mom, she my friends s- are beating up on me about this thing. Yeah, no smoking about the, cigars. She could smoke a cigar with one of those Cruella DeVille things. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you put know, it in there instead of a cigarette. Though. Yeah, yeah, you know you what? Put a cigar I've, in there. I can show go. you this. Please do. So I have my own form of a Cruella DeVille. I smoke a lot of weed. And um, I have my own form of yeah, a lot, probably more than a human being should. But I have my own form of a Cruella DeVille cigarette holder. I smoke out of a baby hand. And so let me show you. Oh, here it is. It's called smoking baby hand. That is a baby hand. Yeah, so yeah. I smoke I smoke my joints out of a baby hand. It's my it's my little <laughs> I put the baby hand on top of my finger and I only smoke out of it because I'm fancy. And so I, I do this thing every Monday night on my Facebook page called a High Live, where I go from I'm sober when I start. Hence the Yeah, Josh actually the, yeah. Mm. I'm sober when I start and then I, I eat an edible, which is like hundred and fifty milligrams, and then I smoke for an hour straight. An hour straight of California weed. And so you get to watch from someone go from incredibly sober to this dude cannot speak in full sentences anymore. <laughs> it's a weird science experiment. And the same things happen. There's markers. Like about the 45-minute mark, if you're watching from 45 minutes on, you're watching for the train wreck. There, and, and, and I know the people who watch it different. Zero to 15 minutes, it's me talking about what the weed feels like. This, I like this strain. This is what it does. 15 to 45 is the fun. I got my <laughs> stuff together, but I'm high and bing, bing. We're having a good time, and 45 to an hour is just a train wreck. Is that when you start seeing more people start tuning in? They've now realized it's that last 15 minutes that they need to check? That's no, an interesting it, question. Like, <laughs> when is the peak? The peak is the 15 to 45. Mm-hmm. Right. Because oh, people really? want to yeah, see the laugh. Is, they're laugh. Yeah, but the 15 to, Yes. The 45 to an hour, it's the same people every week, yeah. and they love the train wreck. They love the fact that most of the time, they're talking to each other about how high I am. That's what they're chatting yeah. about because they're like, this dude has not looked at the screen in seven minutes because sometimes <laughs> I'm in my backyard and sometimes I'm like, oh, what is that? And I'm just gone, gone. But it's so much fun and I use my baby hand to smoke out of. And if you guys are listening and it sounds like a show you might want to watch, it's on my Facebook fan page, which is facebook.com forward slash Josh Wolf Comedy. And it's every Monday at seven o'clock uh, Pacific time. <laughs> so you can watch Josh Wolf get high. It's so much fun. You know I'm telling you. My my dad, right? So my dad ruled with the iron fist growing yes. up, right? He was a tough Polish uh, construction worker, and there, you know, he did not suffer fools. I'd catch the spoon. Whatever. So in 2001, a couple of my old high school buddies are like, let's go to Vegas to watch Super Bowl. And uh, I, I told my dad, and he goes, oh, well, can I come with? I'm like, sure. Who was playing that year? Uh, that was the Patriots, Patriots Rams. and Rams. Yeah. yeah. So my dad, uh, my dad goes, well, can I go with you? I'm like, sure. So we go get a room at, at Treasure Island, and uh, my buddies call, come on down, we're gonna we're gonna head out and get some neat. So we go down, and as we get closer to the room, I can smell the pungent odor, <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, please don't be my buddy's room. Please don't be my buddy's room. Please don't be. I'm about to walk in with my dad, even though I'm an adult grown man. Yeah. I knock on the door, and there's that pause, and then I see the. I come through the people. I'm like, oh, it's my buddies. And they open the door, and it's just a haze. (laughs) And there's porn mags everywhere. (laughs) Floor, bed, and everything. So we walk in. So I'm just trying to do like I'm not noticing that they're getting high. I'm not noticing porn on the bed. And we all come in, and we're kind of chit-chatting. And everybody's just sitting around getting high. And my dad flakes out on the bed and starts flipping through Cherry Magazine. And then out, out comes the giant Bob Marley, and they start doing the pass around the room. Yeah. Now, it's made it on the outside ring, so it's got to come past the old man and then to me. I'm the last part of this, uh, this circle of life. And I'm watching out of the corner of my eye, and my dad's not looking up. He's just flipping through Cherry. And all of a sudden, the, the, the joint comes lofting in front of his face. And without missing a beat, he just grabs it, flips a page, and goes, <laughs> And then hands it off to me without making eye contact. And I'm like, this is about to go down. I'm about to get high with my dad. And I I took the hit, and we were annihilated for the rest of the night. Then we go, and everybody's like, you you just got divorced. We're going to a strip joint. And I'm like, oh, man, I've now gotten high and going to a strip joint with my dad. We get in the car. This guy's like straight out of Crazy Cabby. He's right out of, uh, of, of Grand Theft Auto. 
We are banking. Oh, totally, yeah. We're in this like minivan, and my buddy and I are sliding in the back seats. And my dad finally, at one point, just turns side. He's in the front seat next to the driver because that's where my, you know he has to be in the command module. My dad turns in his seat and looks at the guy, and he goes, "Where did you get your fucking license?" <laughs> and then he looks to the back, and he goes, "Boys, we're all gonna die tonight." And that's all my dad had to say. Oh yeah, we went to uh, San Francisco once, and the San Francisco cabbies there are much like that. Yes. Holy it's God. like yeah, we we were pretty sure that we were going to die, but yeah, you can catch some air in San Francisco. Oh yeah, totally. But it's were you a, high, Andy? Because that makes it even a more terrifying <laughs> jaunt. It's, I can imagine. Oh. I, um, I don't think that my parents. <laughs> They know obviously that I smoke because they sure, see they my watch ads. the video. They do. I, they, my mom loves it. She goes, "I love that high live. It's so funny." <laughs> and she uh, <laughs> because she's never, you know, she's not. But she'll sometimes like when we're together because you know when if you listen to my podcast or you, my act, I talk, I do talk about weed. But sometimes she'll lean in because she, she doesn't know. She's like. Are you high right now? <laughs> like with a weird smile on her face, like it makes her cooler to be in front of somebody. Are you high right now? Is that what's happening? I'm like, no, I'm just. It's eight a.m. I always look like this at eight a.m. <laughs> just because you've been up for four hours doesn't mean you know. But you, why, when you turn eighty, do you wake up before four a.m.? I know. I know. Why do you get up earlier? Or older? I, we just I don't get it. we just do. That's just yeah, like a biological. Wait, but wouldn't you yeah, sleep you more? Eighty years old. If I was eighty years old, I'd be sleeping twelve right, hours I'm a day. It. Do you know? No, no, you won't. I'm fifty. I'm fifty six, uh-huh. and I wake up at clock. Like clockwork at four. You just four. can't help I, that's it. That's a prostate like, thing, dude. You should probably look into that. <laughs> I you know what I mean? You should you, probably, I don't or you should get high. <laughs> yeah. No. You, I, that's what it is. I was in a meeting. Actually, this is. So, you know, are you Stan Lee no, guy at all? I don't do that. No, yeah. So, I, I had a meeting with Stan Lee. And um, this was, I bet, five years ago. So, he was, I think, right at 90. This might have been six years ago, 89. Um, he, they, uh, Stanley's office had sent out an edict that he, they wanted like a, an edict. A, yeah. Like the a Stanley edict. Well, he had sent uh, that he wanted like a, a, uh, hangover. Do you want me to start this after? Yeah. We've got one minute yeah. coming in. So I want to yeah, definitely yeah. make sure we get the entire Stanley okay. story. But if you'd like to see Josh Wolf and the high life, you can check him out at house of comedy this weekend tonight, seven thirty and nine forty five tomorrow, seven o'clock and nine thirty. And, uh, check out the website for updates and information and how you can get tickets. Tickets still available for the entire weekend. Most definitely. Just, I know we're getting close to sell out, so make yeah. sure you don't wait, get your seats, go on out and have a good time. You guys deserve it. We got crappy weather coming soon. You might as well get out and have a couple of good nights of fun. Is it coming? It is. Tonight. Oh, man. It's, it's coming. Tonight. So get out, have some fun, go out and enjoy yourself. Comedy is the last bastion of real, true entertainment. Yes. Get out and see it. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Do it, man. Josh Wolf on the best of. Coming up next, closing out the show. We're opening up the old vault. All the way back to the ticket days. Number 297 with guest Tom Reed. Next. Here we go. Mom, shut up. Yeah, mom, shut up. What did you just say? It's just we're back on the show now, so he just Andy for some reason just barked at you. I don't know why, but he did. We're talking about wedding things, Andy. Come on. They told us not to have anyone talk except for Dad when we go back on the show. Because it sounds terrible. Tom Bernard. You know, know I'll handle what sounds terrible. You know who Kyle Kanane is? Oh, now we're getting. Yeah, I know Kyle Kanane. He's a good guy. Why are we? Yeah, were were we even up before? Yes, He's we were. playing the music now. I forgot. Ben, to turn did I get? Uh, oh, you forgot to turn it up. Yep. Ben, were we, we late? Do we have? No, you were right. Okay. You were on. Yeah, but we're you were fine. Just, your son keeps saying you're telling secrets, and so. <laughs> yes, I have you, to keep. Uh, I was telling. Secrets. Keep our mics off, so secret. when we have uh, when we're broadcasting absolute silence. I was. Like, uh, he was right. I was telling secrets. Yeah. Secrets don't make friends, guys. Who the hell wants friends? Secrets are no fun unless they're told to everyone. Exactly. Then it's not a secret. (laughs) Listen to Ben. Exactly. Tom Reed is with us. Was Tom on? Tom. I did not. Tom, how are you? I am doing well. How are you? 
I understand until about 24 minutes ago that if uh, you worked for the government, you could get a beer over at your joint. Oh, I'm having a beer anyway. Hey. <laughs> Even though you're not a government worker? Of course I am. Who do you think supports them? I well, do. I no. support them. I should do. get a beer. That's a very, very good point. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm doing extremely well. How are things at, uh, things at Tom Reed's? Well, things are very good here, actually. We've, we've made a lot of changes, and... Uh, Bought the building recently, so I can make put some money back into it, which we've been done. So it's been, it's been fun. We're looking forward, obviously, with the football season coming in. The, of course, the uh, Major League Baseball uh, coming up here with the playoffs, and then the hockey season starting on starting actually tonight with Toronto and uh, Montreal together. So that's a big game on TV right now. You got the Wild home opener on Thursday. That'll be good. Now, uh, so we're still on a hot streak because I explained to listeners here at the ticket. Uh, we're talking to Louie Nanny, talked to Darby Hendrickson, talked to a number of hockey players, uh, both on the show and off the show. And I still, and I would include you obviously in this group. I've only met one professional hockey player that was a jerk. Really? Yep, only one. And some people can guess who it is, but others can't. He was not. A, he was not a North Star or a member of the Wild. Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> yeah, Wayne That's Gretzky. The only what a jerk. hockey player you know. It is. Yeah, oh, no, no, by the no, way, no, Tom, no. that was my son. You say that, Tom, and you know it's so true. I think because uh, hockey is uh, so many of the players come from small towns, and I think everybody does make a big difference. Uh, yeah, because they're, they're brought up a little bit differently. You know, the, the expectations—they're uh, they're not looking for entitlement for most cases. Well, hockey but doesn't. They're, it they're doesn't much have, more approachable. Hockey doesn't have all that drama that basketball and football do. I mean, whenever you hear, you know, a sports player, they, you know, got busted for drugs or whatever, it's always a football or a basketball player for some reason. Yeah, and I, you know, I think you have to be naive to think there's not some of that in hockey, but we haven't, haven't had the... Not as much. Uh, haven't, haven't found it at this point. I mean, every once in a while things happen, but they do, they're, they're pretty strict with how they conduct themselves, and I remember back in the 70s, uh, that's when, you know, uh, marijuana was the big thing coming in at that point. Before that, it was just alcohol, so... Yeah, well, that's true. But uh, uh, that was that was a no-no, and some guys started, and you know. But I think for the most part, it's it's kept uh, the sport is really kept uh, pretty clean. Oh yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. It just uh, the story was told today. I think Jeff Passel brought it up. He's the only by the way. He's the only hockey player I've met that's a jerk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Passel talked about your, your great fondness for the national anthem. Yeah, I know. And it didn't matter what city I was in. Every time I heard it, I had a bad game. So, <laughs> you know, especially the American National Anthem. I don't know what it, what it was. but uh, Just had a bad game. I, yeah. Who can understand? Tom, this is Ron Rosenbaum. How you doing? Great, Ron. Hey, isn't some of this that the culture of hockey is sort of... It's a much more humble culture than uh, the other sports. I don't know if it's the way they grow up or, or if it's just the nature of the professional game, but it's really a different breed. Yeah, it, re- it really is, Ron. And when you look at it, it's not a national game by any stretch of the imagination. Although they, they're across the country, there's in some areas maybe that they're really struggling uh, because it's not a hockey hotbed. Uh, but I think for the most part, uh, the, the, the culture is, is, is pretty... Uh, laid back uh, as far as the players go. These guys work. I can't tell you how hard these guys work compared to what we used to do. I mean, these guys are uh, at a 12 months of the year and they know if they don't, there's somebody else to take their job. And so I think the, the players themselves, and it really starts from the top on down, you know, with your with the, your management group and, and how they treat the, the players. There's so much more goes into it now. It isn't just about being a good player. It's about being a good teammate. And what what you do in the locker room and away from the rink is, is uh, paramount to whether teams are going to pick you up or not. I mean, it just makes a big difference. It just takes away a lot of the problems. When you start having problems with individuals on the ice, uh, you know, and off the ice, all of a sudden now uh, the rest of the guys are looking and say, what's going on here? And so you, you really try to divide yourself from, from the, the, the nonsense guys to the guys who are no-nonsense. But isn't it that a lot of it developed from literally small towns in Canada and sort of became the culture of the game? Oh, sure. I mean, I'm from a small town. At that time, it was 9,000 people in Fort Erie. And that was Fort Erie, Ontario. It's a border town across, uh, across in Buffalo, New York, near Niagara Falls. But, 
yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we, uh, I never saw an NHL game until I was 19 years old, and I was thinking, oh, my goodness, to be able to go to a game and watch a game, and then just a couple years later to be playing in the National Hockey League. I mean, I mean, you were appreciative of the fact that you, you were there, and I think, I think that's the way it is for a lot of the players now. The development of how they, you know, how, the, how they're brought up and, and how they're treated and what, what the expectations are, are so important. So, I think that that's, you know, that's certainly a, a part of the whole, the whole history, especially from coming from Canada. Now, I can't speak about the, the European countries and places like that, but I can tell you what's expected here from the uh, other guys coming from Canada and around the U.S. here too. Well, that makes sense. Uh, I should mention, by the way, the, that. Uh, uh, our son and our daughter's godfather is from Buffalo, New York. Oh, really? Okay. And <laughs> he's six six, weighs about three twenty. He's oh, a big boy. fella, right? Yeah. But he said, you know, there's only one problem with Buffalo. It peaked in the eighties, the eighteen eighties. <laughs> well, enough. You know, we were when we were kids, we used to you know have battles with the Americans all the time, being on the Canadian and they would throw dynamite at us. What? Yeah, and then we'd light it and throw it back. <laughs> Well, that's fun. <laughs> Very funny, Tom. Can you hang on for a couple more seconds? Oh, sure. Well, this, we'll be right back with more Tom Reed on the ticket. Ooh, we're rocking out now, man. I wasn't telling any secrets that time, Ben. Thank you. I don't know if you heard that or not, but there were no secrets being told. <laughs> Our very special guest at Sports Radio 105, the ticket on the TomBernardShow.com would be Tom Reed, legendary hockey player and pub master. Can we call you a, a pub master? Absolutely. You call me Anthony White, just come on, come on and spend your money. That's all I care about. Yeah, come on and spend your money. That's at least exactly you're honest. Right. That's exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. That all works very, very well. No, we've got a good following. I've just, I just added a bunch of TVs down here, too, so we can, with the NFL and with the hockey coming up, I've got 32 uh, HD 42-inch uh, screens and bigger down here. Oh, that's pretty a little cool. A little bit different. That's pretty cool. Works for me. Yeah. Now, Alex, you said you had uh, a tale to tell to Tom Reed. It's not a tale. It's not a tale. I just, my... <laughs> true story? Yeah. It's oh, okay. a story that involves you. Um... No, my fiance Dan has a very close friend that goes to your establishment. Establishment almost every single day of the week. Really? I don't know. He says that he Dan, my fiance said that he talks to he has spoken to you many times. There is named Stu Leach. I don't know if you know him by name. But he is constantly at Tom Reed's, and anytime Dan hangs out with him, they go to Tom Reed's. He's just obsessed with the place, and it's funny. So I heard that you were going to be on, and I was like, I have to tell him how much Stu loves Tom Reed's. Well, they, you know, he, he's got to introduce himself to me and let me know that. Uh, that's yeah. great, though. Yeah, we have a lot of regulars come in here now. Uh, we, we've cleaned the place up, but when I first took this place over, they had the. Uh, yeah, they had a special on Saturday night. There's no windows in the place, and they had a special if you bought six beers on a. Saturday night, you got a free tooth from the night before. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually changed now. We, we, we changed the mentality down here a little bit. That's good. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful story, actually. I think it's a. You, know, you mentioned Lou Nanny, and you know, I'm thinking you're talking about the, the Smile organization. So, well, we played in Pittsburgh one night. Uh, we're playing against the Penguins, and uh, I was trying to block a shot coming in and it went by me as I turned Louis went to hit Battleship Kelly he missed him he hit me in the mouth with a stick oh. and knocked out 13 teeth including oh. my my fake teeth but my real teeth too and I, so I had to, in those days I had to chew gum and, and pack the nerves in the gum because of the, the cold oh. air <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's another Louis story I can tell you hundreds of them hey Tom yeah. in those years I don't want to get personal what were you guys making for a salary oh I I broke in with the Blackhawks in 67 I'd made the first all-star team in Canada in the OHA that year that's when we were uh, we were absolutely subsidized by the NHL team. St. Catharines, Ontario is where I played my junior hockey. And I played against Orr when he was in Oshawa and hmm. Sanderson when he was in Niagara Falls and guys like that. But my first contract, they gave me a signing bonus of $500. Oh, God. My first contract was $10,000. And you know, I'm thinking, where do I sign it? I called my dad. I said, you won't believe it, Dad. I said, play for huh. Blackhawks is $10,000. He said, we can't afford that. <laughs> I'm getting the money. Not, not, no. <laughs> and so I'm out with Stan Makita about a week and a half Stan later. Stan Makita. Stan Makita, yeah. And Stan says to me, 
He says, well, how'd you do in your contract, kid? I said, it's really good. He said, you did? I said, yeah. He said, what'd you get? And I said, well, Mr. Ivan, who's our GM in Chicago, asked me not to say anything. He said, well, tell us, because it helps all of us. And so I said, well, I got, I got $10,000. He said, you did? I said, yeah. He said, you happy? I said, yeah. He said, that's the minimum. <laughs> you know what? We didn't have agents in those days, and I think mm. the average salary in the NHL. And this, now, this is the he, the Makitas and the Hulls and the Howes and the and the Bellabos and the Cornways. The average salary is like seventeen thousand dollars. And you're talking about stars, right? Oh yeah. I mean, you're not talking about regular players. No, no. The, I mean, these guys are all Hall of Famers. I mean, and they weren't making that much money. Dean Prentice came here after 22 years, and he was making like twenty-four thousand dollars. So you were working then, obviously, in the off season, right? Every, yeah, most of the guys had to because we didn't make enough money during the regular season, and we had to fund our own pension plan and everything else. So it was a little bit different back. I mean, are you a little are you a little blown away at the kind of dough that these guys are making today? Well, somebody's making money. I mean, the owners make money, and they should. They they have the investment. I have no problem with that. But uh, they're sharing some of that wealth now with the the players. You know the. The lockout last year really hurt a lot of us in business around uh, NHL arenas. We lost uh, a number of you know NHL games. We normally have like 44 in a year, and last year we had uh, 24. So you lose that many games, and that's a, that's a lot of dollars. But I don't begrudge the players at all. Most of them have a very short window where they can make money. You hear about the stars all the time, but for a lot of athletes, and I don't care what sport you're in, if you're a lesser known, and and I've been fortunate because I've been involved in hockey my entire life, but for a lot of guys who, once they leave the game, it's like having your hand in a pail of water. Yeah. And once you take the hand out, there's commotion and so on, but it smooths over like you've never been there. And that's the way it is for a lot of guys, and they have difficult times when they leave uh, leave it. Now, we have place, uh, programs in place through the National Hockey League Alumni Association to help players make that transition. With uh, with different programs, educational programs, and job placement, and so on. So we we've come a long way, and the NHL and the NHL Players Association are very good in in working together, trying to. But how did you guys? I mean, you guys had the same transition, except you didn't have any money. No, I'm just I, wondering how guys in that era, you know, when it was over, it was over, and there wasn't any NHL Players Association to help them out. It was just over. Well, the alumni, we didn't start the alumni until the early 90s. I was part of the original NHL alumni board, and that's with Keith Magnuson and Keith McCreary and Doug Wilson. There's probably about eight or nine of us. And our, our goal was to uh, support players from the past who really didn't have anything after leaving the game. And we would give, you know, uh, be able to have fundraisers where we'd make some money and we'd be able to give players like maybe $10,000 a year to help them. And and to get letters from guys who said thank you very much, you know, I, now I can afford a wheelchair for my wife and we can go for walks around the lake. And, I mean, it was really sad. Yeah. yeah. But since then, it, the programs have really stepped up, and, and I and I applaud the players today because they're most of them have not been afraid to share, uh, you know, some of their success that they've had financially with with the the older players. So what about what about the concussion? issue that's become such a big deal with football. I mean, I'm sure... <laughs> I thought they were a hangover. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's true. I mean, you know, in football, they tell you you got your bell rung. I'm sure your coaches, when you were playing, they weren't worried about concussions. No, I mean, you, you were afraid to say them because there's always somebody ready to take your job if you got out of the lineup, but... Uh, you know, those we were actually discouraged from wearing helmets. They didn't want us to wear helmets because it took away the notoriety of the player. You could tell a player when a Bobby Hull went down, his his, his hair is blowing in the wind, or Gary Younger, or whatever. Uh, you could recognize the players. They're much much more difficult to recognize today with the the, the gear they have. But you know, from a safety standpoint, it's the, the best thing that could have happened to the game. Yeah. I mean, how long did it take for them? I mean, figure figure this one out now. They started wearing. You know, protective gear and, and 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 cups back in the twenties, but they didn't put helmets on. So what part of their body was more important to them? Well, they are men. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think the safety factor now is is certainly uh, evident by the players and things that they've done. Even in introducing the new hybrid icing call that they put into the league this year is going to help uh, take away some of the injuries that uh, they've had over the years. We have a surprise guest. Oh, we no. do? Yes, we do. It's Bella. Care to introduce yourself, Mr. Guest? <laughs> hey, Tom, this is JB. JB? Oh, JB, big hockey what are you? What are you doing? Are you, are you uh, pumping those guys up or what? <laughs> no, I actually just got finished with a workout. Oh, no, I was calling because Tom Reed is a lousy defenseman. <laughs> <laughs> well, there I know. I, I fooled him for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I only say that because we played on team media together. Right. Uh, right. And uh, we would go up by two or three goals, and then Tom would turn around and shoot on me. <laughs> well. You're the only guy I could score on. <laughs> oh, that's true. And you were really hard to hit, let me tell you. <laughs> that's true, too. Uh, that's crazy. Yes. You were at the State Fair this year. I saw you. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We uh, uh, crossed paths. Yes, we did. But, uh, it was always fun to play with you. You were always there. You know, we would be all over the state, and Tom would always be there to help out, yeah. which was great because we were raising money around the state. So, Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Those days are gone, though. I can't my back's bad. My back is bad. My knees are bad, and I'm going to take any chance. I feel good right now, so I'm going to keep it that way. Well, all right. Go. Well, good to talk to you. Thanks, JB. Take care. Yep. I like the fact that JB is uh, like goalie extraordinary. And then, by the way, that mask that he wears with the guy with the gaping mouth and all, it's That's just you. I know it's supposed to be me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that that mask he wears is supposed to be me, Tom. That's JB's? Yeah. That's yeah. JB's, yeah. Oh, I was, Dan showed me a picture of that. I was like, who wears that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, JB, That's I took the picture. He brought it in and then he... Uh, oh, me. okay. Yeah, he made me go look at it in his trunk. He's yeah. proud of that. He's mask. very proud of it. <laughs> like, funny. It's custom painted or something. Well, I would imagine so. That's yeah. pretty hilarious. They don't mass produce Tom Bernard hockey helmets. They don't. Why not? They I suppose should. you never know. I, mean. I want to know why not. I demand to know why not. Actually, you know. Oh, by the way, off the air, Tom and I were talking a little bit. Catherine, you and I have to go. Well, Alex and Dan and Andy. Everybody, Ron, you should come over. Sam, go and have a little lunch over Tom Reed's one day. I'd yeah. love to do that. Absolutely. I go down yeah. there all the time, St. Paul. It's right down the street from where I live. Oh, oh. that's right. It is. Well, it's right by Andy and Alex's house, yeah, too. Is it? Where is it? On 7th Street. On 7th Street, right there. Yeah, right near downtown. the, right near the uh, by Excel that Center. Brothers. Yep. Two blocks oh, away. Oh, okay. Yep. It's a magnificent, Good stuff. magnificent spot. And Tom, as always, just a class guy and a great guy. We appreciate your time, sir. Anytime. Wish you guys well in this uh, program. So thank you. Tom. I'll be listening. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Thank you, Tom Reed. Just another example of the nice. NHL. Just they're just nice guys. Well, they get all their aggressions out on the ice. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, pummeling each you other. You think they would on the football <laughs> field? But don't throw away those giblets because these clips are looking to get. St- Stuffed into this episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Great clips this week from Ryan Singer, Josh Wolf, and Tom Reed. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. <laughs>